Hallelujah. We are continuing our series talking about a transformed life. A transformed life. It's important that we allow God to transform our life. Um, and we're coming from the scripture Romans 12 and 2. Let's, let's read that real quick. Um, and if you could just stand to your feet for the reverence of the word of God. Romans 12 and 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs. Don't be conformed any longer to the values and the customs of this world. But be ye transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may be able to prove for yourselves what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his perfect plan and purpose for you. On the way down to your seats, just tell somebody trust the process. As you have your seats, turn to your other neighbor and say trust the process. Trust the process. Transformation is a process. The word says progressively change. Progressive, progressively or progression means that you're moving towards something. You ain't there yet. Turn to somebody and say, I ain't there yet. I ain't made it yet. But you are progressing. You may not be what everybody wants you to be, but yet you are still moving towards a process. What is the process? Let's look at a, a, a butterfly, a caterpillar. I was doing some studying on a caterpillar and what a caterpillar does, a caterpillar will uh, 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 attach to its food source. You can't feed it anything because if you feed a caterpillar anything, it's going to die. Some people collect caterpillars and they don't give them the right, uh, uh, right nutrients or what they like to eat. Um, and what it was saying, people who collect uh, caterpillars, it's a process of finding out what they like to eat. And but the best way to do it is take it from its source and find out what its source is. That thing blessed my life. We came from God. So therefore, because we came from God and we are in the transformation process, what better way to grow? What better way to transform than through our source, which our source is God. So therefore, we need more of God in order to be transformed. That caterpillar needs to eat the leaf, the leaf that is coming from. And so what happens is the caterpillar, before it goes into its cocoon, it eats as much as it can. Before it goes into the cocoon. And then once it goes into the cocoon, it said that the caterpillar has, uh, I, I want to call it vertebrates, but it's not. It's, it's a, a series of, 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 uh, vertebrates or whatever. And when it goes in there, it will literally dissolve in the cocoon. So if you go and you open up a caterpillar that is not, or a, a, a cocoon that is not yet fully developed into a butterfly, you will see just a ooey gooey mess because it is dissolving itself.
And so in that process, once it begins to dissolve, then it starts to transform into what we come and what we see out of there, which is the butterfly. What am I trying to say? In order for us to be transformed, we have to dissolve. We got to dissolve all of who we are. We have to dissolve our very own attitude. We got to let ourselves just be so are immersed into God that we lose ourselves and allow God to transform us. Hallelujah. We got to trust the process. And so when that caterpillar is in there, you don't see another caterpillar saying, well, hey, bro, what you doing in there? You, you transforming yet? No, when it's in that cocoon, the process has begun and there is a trust that when the process is done, out becomes a beautiful butterfly. Same thing with a, a woman when she begins, when she gets pregnant. You cannot go in there and say, hey, you know, if you've already named your baby, hey, Joe, are you doing okay in there? You, you got to trust what's going on on the inside of you. You got to trust. So then when that nine months is up and you begin to push and give labor pains and see nothing, the transformation takes place. But in order for it to be birth, you got to do some pushing. And the same thing with the butterfly, it said that with the cocoon, it has to hang upside down. So in other words, it can push its way out. Are you ready to push on today? Are you ready to push in your process? Are you ready to push in order to be transformed? Hallelujah. So let's look at this word trust. It is so hard this day and time to be trust or to trust anyone. We've been so hurt. We've been disappointed. How many of you have been disappointed? God knows I've had some disappointment. Been lied to. I got you. I got your back. And you turn around and ain't nobody got your back. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be there with you. And when it comes time, you calling and saying, where are you at? Oh, I couldn't make it today. Trust is a hard thing. We have been betrayed. And so, therefore, it is difficult to trust. We don't easily trust. Anybody find it hard to trust? Anybody find it? So trust. This is the, the Webster's Dictionary. And I, 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 I'm going to I like the biblical dictionary. It says trust according to the world standard. So it says be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It said don't, don't be um, conformed to the world. So in other words, we can't trust the world. This is the, uh, the, the, the Webster's Dictionary. It says a firm belief in the integrity, ability or character of a person or thing, confidence or reliance. So in other words, this definition is saying that you're believing in the integrity. You're believing in the ability or the character of a person or a thing. So in other words, I am believing in the integrity of this keyboard. I'm believing in the ability of the keyboard. Now, the, 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 the keyboard has no ability in itself. It will just sit there unless somebody gets behind it and plays the keys. Amen. You can see it all day long, but unless a, a skilled musician gets behind there and plays the keys, um, I want somebody that don't know how to play. Get over there and play. <laughs> so the keyboard is just the keyboard. So brother Antoine is going to sit down and he's going to play. There is no musical. I mean, he's playing, but there's no nothing pleasing. Do y'all enjoy that? Y'all don't. Okay, brother Tau, you come and play. 
Because of who was behind it, it was not musical to your ears. Now, Tahu, you play something. But with the right person behind it, that keyboard now becomes not just a thing, but it becomes something that is useful, something that is beautiful, something that we can enjoy, something that we can learn to get up under and to, to, to give God praise and give God worship for. It is with us when we allow God to get inside of us. We're not trusting in the character or the person of a thing. We're not confident relying on the keyboard. But now who are we relying on? We're relying on Tahu, right? We're relying on Tahu to make this sound what it needs to sound like. So don't put your trust in things or the ability of whatever it is that you think that you're holding on to that's going to get you through. How many of you are holding on to some things you think is going to get you through? Amen. Let's go to the biblical deck. Do y'all get any? Y'all get that? Y'all get? Let's go to the biblical. It says, but uh, this is the, uh, the, the biblical def, uh, definition. It says, believing, trust is believing in the promises of God in all circumstances, not just when it feels good, not just when you feel like it, not just like when you're up today, I'm going to believe in God. But it says in all circumstances, believing in the promises of God. You may not know every promise, but you can lift up your Bible and you can say, God, I don't know what is going on, but I'm believing in your promises in this circumstance. And it says even when even in those uh, circumstances where the evidence seems to be contrary, God knows to what you feel, what you're going through seems to be contrary to God saying that you're going to be the head and not the tail. But everything seems to be going contrary. When it says that God, oh, somebody done come to you and said, I see bright things for you in the future, but all hell is breaking loose right now. What do you do? It says to believe on the promises of God. I, it may seem like everything is busting loose, but God, I believe in your promises. God, I know that you're going to work things out. God, I know that this right here is going to work together for my good. I may not understand it. I may be hurting. I may be disappointed right now, but God, you said that you would never leave me nor forsake me. So I am trusting in you. I'm trusting in you. I was put into a position and and I know that many of us have been there is that put into a position that no matter what you is out of your control. God needs to get us in a position to where it's out of our control. And I heard God say to me, I got you where I want you. You got to trust the process. I don't know what the process is, but God, I'm going to trust the process. So let's look at what is trust. We looked at the definition of trust. Now let's look at process. Process is a series of action changes or functions bringing about a result. So, and you don't have that definition, but pr- process, what process are you going through right now? What are you dealing with right now in your mind? It may be mental. Some things you're just like you, you know, and and part of what uh, I was going through at a particular time was I knew what the word of God said, but I struggled to grab a hold of the promises of God. I, 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 I did not understand that God loved me. I did not understand that God had his best intention for me. 
I didn't know what was going. I knew that I was in a process, but I was like, God, what are you doing? But a series of action or changes or functions that's going to bring about a result. What change are you going through? What are you dealing with right now? And you don't quite yet understand what the result is going to be. Trust. Why is trust important? Let's look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and says why trust is important. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says lean not or lean on, trust in and be confident in the Lord. Be confident in who? You remember we said we couldn't be confident in the keyboard because it's nothing. But it says be confident in the Lord with all your heart, your mind, And do not rely on your own insight and understanding. See, a lot of times why we get into problems and troubles is because we're relying on our our own insight and our own uh, 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 understanding. And see, if you don't have any understanding of a situation, why are you relying on it? If you already messed up and trying to figure out what God is saying or doing, why are you relying on your own understanding? And I, I, we were in a workshop yesterday, and if I may use Brother Tau, the lady was asking uh, Brother Tau, where, where are you going? Let's just meet one of those channels, the, the cordless mics. Um, says, why are you, why are you, uh, uh, he was, she was asking Tau, what do you want to do? And so uh, she was going through a series that was called the Passion Test, and it was saying that, so is this more important than this? Is this more, and at first, Tau was like, okay, yeah, number one was more important. This is more important. This is, and, and the further down he got to the list, well, I think it was, uh, she only went through five, right, Brother Tau? Or, uh, and so I guess about number three, Tau was like, hmm, okay. And she said, get out of your head. She kept telling Tau to get out of your head. See, sometimes God is telling us to get out of our head. Get out of what you're thinking. Get out of what you think should happen. And see, a lot of times we are in our own understanding. We are in our own head thinking about how it should turn out, what we should do, when we should do it, how we should do it. And God is saying, get out of your head. It says, don't don't rely on your own insight or understanding. It says, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. One of the benefits, why is it important? Because when we trust and we rely on God, he's going to make that path uh, straight for us. He's going to make it plain for us. There's times that I would be looking for something or trying to figure out how to do something. I remember when I was um, going through college and, and I didn't quite, and accounting was horrible for me. And I, I was like, Lord, I don't quite understand a horrible I, I mean, I was great. I said, Lord, if you just let me get out of here with a passing score, had a tutor and everything and still could not understand it. But yet I, I, I would, there was times that I did not understand it, but I would say, Holy Spirit, help me. God, show me how to do this. Lord, show me what I need to do. I tell you what, I didn't get out of there with A's and B's, but I got out of there, out of there with a passing score. Why? Because I did not lean to my own understanding, but I acknowledged him and he made the path straight for me. So one of the benefits is, is that he's going to make it plain. He's going to make it straight for you. Why is trust important? He's going to make it plain. He's going to make it straight for you. Number two, let's look at, we talked about why is trusting God so important? What are the consequences of not trusting God? 
And, 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 and uh, let me have this right quick, mother. I want to go back to this lean part. Ma'am? Well, I ain't getting in it. I can lean on this. Mother uses this to lean on. It says, lean not to your understanding. Lean, lean. As long as this is here, I can walk. As long as this is here, I can move. But when my legs fail, or when I'm weak, and this is moved out from under me, what happens? I don't have anything to lean on. So pull it back. And see, a lot of us is leaning on things that gets pushed out from under us. And so what happens? You fall. So God is saying, don't lean on the systems and the things of this world. Don't lean on other people. Don't lean on what you think is stable. Because sooner or later, it's going to be pushed out from up under you. But he says to lean on me. Lean on me. That's the song. Lean on me when you're not strong. All right. I went flashback, y'all. Flashback. Sorry about that. (laughs) Flashback. All right. All right. Got you. Got you. Okay. Anyway, that's trusting God. The consequence of not trusting God. Let's look at Proverbs 11 and 28. Proverbs 11 and 28 says those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a leaf, a green leaf. So if you trust in your riches, you you trust in your job, your money is not your God. See, a lot of us ain't, ain't, ain't making it financially because we're trusting in our job. We're trusting in the money that we make to make ends meet. But I tell you what, if you turn it over to God and invite God into your finances, he's going to make it to be more than enough. He's going and I've seen it, y'all. I have seen it. I, y'all done heard some of my testimonies. It's like when I laid it out and said, God, I, I don't know, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and I invite God in and all of a sudden it's like I got more than enough. Or let me let me put this in there. There's times when I said I wasn't going to pay my tithes. And I'm like, okay, I didn't pay my tithes. So I, I put a little, got a, think I got a little extra. That little extra was, it was gone. <laughs> Anybody can testify to that? You think, oh, and it's like, man, account a, a in the negative. But it's like when I pay my tithes, I put that covering. I don't begin. I don't trust. I return my tithe back unto God. And what God does, he puts a covering over it. And so that which I thought I didn't have, I end up with extra. I end up with more than enough. So it says, you be, don't trust in your riches, but trust it to God. But the righteous will thrive. How many of you want to thrive in here? I want to thrive. Let's turn to Proverbs 28 and 26. It says, he who leans on, and now we're talking about the consequences of not trusting God. So if you're not thriving, you're what? You're sinking, you're dying, right? So it says, Proverbs 28 and 6 says, he who leans on, trust in, and is confident of his own mind and heart is a self-confident fool. This is amplified version. I ain't write this, y'all. I ain't calling none of y'all in here a fool. But it says... And is confident of his own mind and heart as a self-confident fool. 
But he who walks skillful in skillful and godly wisdom shall be delivered. How many of you want to be delivered out of some situations on today? It says that if you walk skillful and godly, walk in, you got to walk in it, walk in it. Skillful and godly wisdom, you're going to be delivered. You want, to, you want deliverance in your life? Seek the wisdom of God. Walk skillfully. Don't just make your own decisions and say, I'm a walker and then invite God into that thing. No, before you walk into it, ask God, invite God in and say, God, what do you want me to do? And he will give the wisdom. Consequence of not, it means that you're not going to be delivered. Means that all, everything is going to break loose. It says you're a self-confident fool, meaning you're relying on your own self. Relying on yourself. So let's look at a benefit. I know we don't want to hear about the consequences. We want to hear about all this glorious stuff. God's going to bless me. I ain't pay my tithe. God's going to just pour out his spirit upon me, but I'm not seeking him. No, uh uh-uh. That ain't going to happen like that. Just don't happen. You got to put something in. You remember what I said about the caterpillar? The caterpillar had to eat. He had to eat in order before the transformation would take place. You're not going to be transformed without eating and eating the right nutrients. The benefit of trusting God, the Bible is full of people, full of, of stories that told about people who trusted God. Look at Samson when he faced the giant. He was confident. He trusted God. And because he trusted God, he was able to slay the giant, Goliath. Look at Esther. Esther won't even suppose to go before the king. But Esther said, if I perish, let me perish. I'm going to go before this king and I'm going to speak on behalf of my people. And in that, God delivered a whole nation because of her being willing to go forth. God was with her. She heard the voice of God and she says, I'm going to trust in my God. If I perish, let me perish. Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. All of y'all heard the story, right? Where they went into the fiery furnace. And they were like, no, I'm not going to eat your junk. I'm not going to take the things of this world. You, you and your boys, you go ahead on and y'all eat what you want to eat. Me and my boys right here, we're going we gonna to eat this right here. And through them trusting God, they, fed, they did not want to bow down. And so because they trusted in God and they were like, I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to pray to my God. They got thrown into a furnace and they relied on God to deliver them. And then the Bible says that they came out of the furnace not even smelling like smoke. Y'all ever been through a situation that God delivered you out of and people thought that you would fail? And you come out with, with just, just like not even a scratch, not even a tear, not even hurting. You came out better than you were before? That was God. That was God. You look back and the Bible says I look back. From where I came from. And I don't know how I made it over. But I made it over. My God. Through trusting in God. And so let's turn to Psalms 9 and 10. The benefits. We're talking about benefits. Now what did we talk about? We talked about why trust is important. Right? Y'all looking at me like what did she say? I know I've done a lot of talking. We talked about the consequences of not trusting God. Amen? And now we're going to talk about the benefits of trusting God. Romans 9 and 10 says, those who know your name, trust in you, 
For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. When you trust God, he will not forsake you. When you seek him, and the Bible says to seek him with your whole heart, he says that he will be found by you. God ain't lost. God ain't looking. We the ones that need to seek God. We the ones that need to go into our prayer closets to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, what is it that you're doing in my life? It says to seek. It says that he's not going to forsake us. Some of us in here have gone through some situations and felt like God has forsaken us. But he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, my God. Romans 15 and 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God when you seek and you trust God, it says that he's going to fill you with joy. He's going to fill you with peace. You don't have any peace in your life? Trust God. How many of you want to be filled with some peace? I know there was times I was like I couldn't even buy peace. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. I was, you know, feeling anxious and wondering what was going No peace. Or just all upheaval on the inside, worried and, and fearful and just wondering what was going to happen. But it was when I got into the presence of God and I began to seek God that he, I, I felt my peace. And I had to speak it. Great peace have I. Great peace have I. Great peace have I because I love you, God. The Psalms 119, it says, great peace of they which love thy law and nothing shall by any means offend thee. Great peace if I forget all the other rest of the part. Right now, I need some peace, God. Right now, I need some understanding, God. I need you, Lord. So I'm going to meditate on that. So it says he's going to fill me with peace. And then it says that you may overflow with hope. You don't feel no hope sometimes. We go through things. It seems like that all the hope is sucked out of us. I'm sorry, y'all. I don't walk around every day saying, God, I know you're going to do it. I just, y'all do that. Sometimes I, I'm like, Lord, where are you? You know, I, sometimes I'm like, Lord, what in the world is going on? My faith, I'm like, God, I can't even grab a hold of faith. I cannot see something because sometimes the situation is so overwhelming for me. I don't know what's happening next. I can't go in and type a note on a computer and it all be done and over with. I can't go back and hit the delete button and rewrite another story. And so therefore, sometimes it's like the hope that I need. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I need some hope. Give me a little bit. And if you seek God, it says that he will give hope. So the benefit of trusting God is that he's not going to leave you. You're going to get some peace. You're going to get some joy. He's going to provide some hope for you. So it's like talking about trust the process. What do you mean, Pastor Wendy, trust the process? How do I trust when I've been hurt? How do I trust when I've been disappointed? How do I trust when I can't see no way out of this mess? How do I trust when my body is hurting? How do I trust? And I've been down this road before and it didn't turn out good. How do I trust? I'm glad you asked me. We trust 
First of all, getting rid of our faulty expectations. That's not up there. Faulty expectations. What do I mean? As I said before, you have a keyboard. You're expecting for this keyboard to work when you turn it on. You're expecting for this keyboard to put forth a beautiful sound. But it's nothing. My expectations and what I want it to do, if I can't play it, then all it is is an unmet expectation. It's just going to sit there. What do I mean? A lot of times we're putting our trust and we're putting our expectations in other people. We're putting our expectations in someone to make us feel good. We're putting our expectations in someone to love us. We're putting our expectations in someone to make me happy. Come here a second, Pastor Robert. This is my husband. This is Pastor Robert. But I'm sorry, baby. I get excited. He was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> he can't make me happy. A lot of times we bring people into our life thinking that it's going to make us happy. He can't make me happy if I'm not happy already. He can't make me be joyful unless I'm joy. He can make me laugh, but he can't make me joyful. It's like, and first and last, if he tell me, you need to be joyful, I'm going to be like, what you talking about? I'm going to rise up at him. You ever had somebody tell you what to do and you're like, what you, you look at giving that, fun, you don't tell me what to do, I'm grown. I mean, for real. A lot of times we are looking for other things and other people to do within us that God, that, that they were not designed to do. They were not designed to do. And I'm not saying it, but that person that you brought in has their own baggage. That person that you brought in has their own issues. And so while they're dealing with their issues and you're dealing with your issues and you're looking for them to help you and they got their own issues, that's wrong. That's a faulty expectation. So how do we trust? We trust by getting rid of our faulty expectations. Stop expecting for what you're doing or what you're thinking to bring you peace or bring deliverance. Get rid of the faulty expectations. The next thing is, is that you got to trust the word of God. Human nature is flawed. Flawed. We ain't anybody in here arrived and ready to, ready to go to heaven now? Or are you a work in progress? I'm a work in progress. We are flawed, so we cannot trust. Through the word of God, we learn to trust and begin to see what God says about us and our situation. When you get into the word of God, it wasn't until when God was telling me trust the process. And I was nervous. I was just, oh, what in the world's going on? Didn't know. And then I started saying, well, Lord, did I make a bad decision? Lord, did I, did I do the right thing? God, all I kept hearing was God said, trust the process. Trust the process. And when I got into the word of God and started speaking to myself about what the word says about me. Is when my mind started being renewed. Romans 12 and 2 says, by allowing 
the word of God to renew our mind. Our mind has to be renewed. The word. Not you watching TV. Not you hanging out with your friends. Not you being on social media. But it says the word of God is what transforms us. Listen to Proverbs 4, 20 and 22. And I'm almost done. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my what? It says, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your where? So don't let the what get out of your sight? And keep them where? Keep them in your heart. It says, for they are what? They're life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. So when you take the word of God and it says, take the word. Don't let it out of your sight. Keep it in your heart. It says that in that it's going to be life. That situation that seems to be dead, God's going to bring life to it. What you feel like is going on inside of you when you get the word of God in, life is going to come. And then it says it's going to be help to your whole body. Mind, body, spirit, and soul. Your whole body. Not just your leg. Not just your hand. But your whole body is going to be life to it. You got to begin to say that I am chosen. I am loved. I'm good. I'm wonderful. I'm fearfully made. Don't let the world or anything else define who you are. Get it in, get in the word of God of who it says you are. Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that God caused everything to work together for our good, for those who love God and are called according to the purpose for them. And as I close, I want to tell you a story. Paul could write what he wrote. Paul wrote Romans 12 and 2. And you're saying, Pastor Wendy, how could Paul write what he said? When I began to read this story about the transformation of Paul, it blessed my soul. I'm talking about trusting the process. And I'm not going to read it verbatim, but you can find it in uh, uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. It said that what Saul was, he was on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to persecuting saints. He was on his way to persecuting anybody that called on the name of God. He was on his way. He, was, he had already received the, 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 the uh, uh, authority to go and to arrest everybody that's in this room. Just because of the mere fact that you are here at Open Altar today, Paul could walk in here because he had the authority to come in and arrest everybody and carry you off to jail. And so while Paul was on his way, it says that as he was nearing Damascus on this mission, he had a mission, but he was on the wrong mission. It says a brilliant light or a bright light from heaven suddenly came upon him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me, Wendy? What do you mean? Why are you not following me? Why are you not taking and believing the word of God? Why are you coming in here Sunday after Sunday and not walking in my word? Why are you persecuting me? 
And Saul said, well, who are you? Who are you? And he says, wait a minute. He says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. He says, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now, here it is. One minute Saul is able to see. The next minute a bright light comes. So Saul said, yeah, doc, I can get up. I can move. Yeah, I'm good to go. Okay, you told me to get up. Let me go ahead on and go to Damascus. But when Paul got up, he couldn't see. The next verse says that when he got up, no, he, it says the men were speechless who was with them. And as Saul picked himself up off the ground, he found that he was blind. And I thought about this. There are some people that are with you when you have a God moment, they don't understand it. When, when God does something to you, when God knocks you to the ground, they're sitting there looking at you like, what in the world is going on? They cannot help you. And so it said they stood there speechless. And so the next one, it says that when Paul got up, the only thing that his companions could do was lead him to the ground. They could not help him to see anymore. And so Paul went to Damascus and it says um, in Damascus, this is where it really blessed my heart. It says that. Um, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias and the Lord spoke to him in a vision called Anna, calling Ananias and, and summarizing this, God told Ananias, he said, look, he said, um, I've shown Paul in a vision that I want you to go lay hands on him. He, he was telling Ananias to go lay hands on him. But Ananias exclaimed, I've heard about the terrible things this man has done. Look, you telling me to go lay hands on this joker? And he's already been given the authority to arrest the saints. He's already been given the authority to arrest me. You want me to go help him? Brother Tahu, I already know what Tahu's about. But, but, but Ananias did not see the change, the transformation that was getting ready to take place or that had taken place in Tahu's life. And so in other words, there's a lot of people that are around us. They don't know the change that's taking place. So they look at us and they don't believe in who we are and what God has called us to be. God has called you to be something. He has changed your life, but you still look the same. You still feel the same, but that doesn't change God's purpose and his mission for your life. And so Ananias, he says, no, I, I can't go. He says, I exclaim, I'm not going. And so in other words, in going on, Ananias ended up obeying what the Lord had told him. And this is where the transformation for Saul took place. It says now. Um, he said, for Saul is my chosen instrument. You are a chosen instrument to God to take the message to the Gentiles. Saul was God's chosen. And Ananias found Saul. And for three days, Saul had not eaten. It was three days between the experience on the road to, uh, to Damascus and when he got into town. And it said that Saul had been praying. Saul had been fasting and he had been praying. Y'all don't believe it? Said that Saul, and when I looked at this, I said, wow, God. The transformation is only going to take place when we learn to fast and we learn to pray. Now, here it was a man who was persecuting Christians, but in his prayer and in his fasting, God was able to speak 
to Saul, which now we know is Paul. And to know that when Ananias came to lay hands on him, that you're not to arrest him. He's going to help you to get your sight. He had to trust. Ananias had to trust. And so did Paul. Saul, who was now turned into Paul, had to trust what he was hearing. Had to trust. I'm blind. But as he began to trust God. And as Ananias The trust in me and the trust in Saul and Paul caused the the shackles and the veils to fall off the Paul's eyes. When we link up with people who are trusting God, there's nothing that God cannot do. There's no blindness. There's no situation that God cannot change. But we got to link up with others who are trusting in the process. That God wants to do. What process is God working in your life right now? What 